Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad to see you here today. It's good to be together on this uh, crisp fall morning, and uh, it's good to share this time of worship and fellowship with you and with God. We welcome our guests, especially today. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would, if you don't mind, to take those and to fill those out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Just put your name and address, phone number, email address on there. We would appreciate it and check the appropriate box. And especially if you'd like to receive our email newsletter, please make sure you put your email address on there. It's a great way to keep up with the events that, that are happening here at Community Baptist Church and things that we're involved with. Uh, speaking of some of those events, let me bring you up to uh, speed with a few of those. Uh, first of all, uh, in, in the bulletin today, you see that we have a missions and ministry meeting this afternoon. We are not going to have that meeting this afternoon. It's, it's in there, but uh, we decided that we don't have anything really uh, pressing on us right at this moment. So why have a meeting if you don't need to? So no missions and ministry meeting today. Uh, but there will be a youth advisory meeting at 4.30, and the deacons will meet at 5.30. Also coming up, um, next Sunday evening uh, is our uh, annual ecumenical uh, Thanksgiving service. Uh, the, the Ministerial Association here in Henderson sponsors that every year. And this year it will be at St. Paul's Episcopal Church at 6 o'clock on Sunday. We normally have it on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, but... We moved it to Sunday this year, and uh, and an added bonus to that is after the service, we're going to have pies. We're going to have pies, and uh, and we need pies. Uh, we're we're asking each church to supply four pies, and so far we have two. So we need uh, two more pies. If some of you could provide a pie for uh, our fellowship afterwards, see see me and let me know. And also, if you would like to participate in the um, in the, the combined choir that will be serving as a part of that. Uh, the choir rehearsal will be that Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock at St. Paul's. And if you'd like to see the music ahead of time, you can see me and I can download it for you and you can look at it ahead of time. Uh, also coming up next week, 
a week from tomorrow, we will be having our Upward Awards program. Uh, we have one more game uh, next Saturday, one more set, uh, series of games next Saturday, and we look forward to that. And uh, it's, it's been a great season, and we're grateful for our volunteers who have uh, spent so much effort and time with that. But then our, our Upward ceremony will be a week from tomorrow at 6.30, and that will be at South Middle School. I uh, hope you can be there. Uh, the entertainment is Tony Wolf, who is really good, and, uh, and, and it will be a great night. One other thing, um, the Habitat for Humanity is sponsoring its hol- holiday pops. And uh, where's Brittany? There she is. Remind me of the date. Is it the 12th? September 12th. I mean, September. December 12th. <laughs> December 12th, there's a holiday pops. The uh, Owensboro Symphony will be presenting uh, Christmas music, and it's wonderful, wonderful. Uh, she, she will be selling tickets. I will be selling tickets, and there's a competition between us as to who sells the most tickets here. So uh, the tickets will be $15 for adults, $12.50 for seniors, and you can kind of tell, you, you, you know, who if you're a senior or not. You know, there's no particular date. $5 for children, and that's the same same too. I'm, I'm a child. <laughs> so you can see Brittany or me for, uh, for those tickets, and, uh, and it's, a, it's a great night to get you in the Christmas spirit. Let's sing now our song of gathering, Rejoice the Lord is King. Let us stand and sing. the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Like Miriam, 
Let us sing with gladness for our proud triumphs over evil and oppression. Like Hannah, let us pray with grateful hearts. For the Lord our God, hear our prayers. Like Jacob, let us wrestle with God. For out of such struggles, new faith is born. Like Abraham, let us respond to God's calling. For in faith's journey, we find our lives. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it.
scripture reading from the day comes from Mark 13, 1 through 8, 24, 32. As he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what are large stones of what large buildings? And Jesus asked him, Do you see those great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite of the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us when will this be, and what will be the sign of all that these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and then they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place by the end of the still is to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be many famines for me. This is but the beginning of birth pangs. But in those after the suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth and to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see things that are taking place, you know that is near, at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about the day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the only Father. This world, this is the word of the Lord. everybody doing? Put your eyelid down, Wyatt. I'm going to. Your grandson is so talented here. How's everybody's week? Raise your hand if you had absolutely a wonderful week and not one single bad thing happened. Good job. Uh, Now, I'm going to ask the adults in the back. Raise your hand if you had absolutely a wonderful, wonderful week and not one single sad or bad or disheartening thing happened. Okay, do you see that? Some hands went up. Okay, eyes back on me just for a second. Eyes sometimes, uh, are, the hands went up. Sometimes when we come to Sunday school and we, when we come to church, it's because we need to get revitalized and we need to talk uh, to our friend here who gets us through everything who might that friend be thank you i heard it was that what you were going to say too zoe 
All right, I'm going to tell you one kind of sad thing that happened to me, and, and I bet if we go to everybody here, they could tell you kind of something sad that happened. Uh, you know, where I work, I have to make some decisions um, that sometimes are not easy to make. And I had a little boy that came in with his mama. He was three years old. And I knew that little boy was in, in danger. And I knew I had to make the hard decision to call uh, what Sue Berry does. She's a social worker, and I knew I had to make the hard decision to take that child away from his mother. And Well, we don't have time to go into why, but sometimes those kind of things happen. And then, you know, I had to, the police had to come, and, they, and the little boy was on my lap, and I had to hand that little boy over to the police. Now, I don't want to get you guys sad. I don't want to uh, dwell on those kind of things. And that's exactly, I think, what Dr. Tim is going to talk about today. You know, we could be sad that Miss Jika is not at the piano. We could be sad that Miss Mary was in the hospital for a couple of weeks. I know, I know. We could be sad that Miss Phyllis has been sick. We could go on and on and on. But this is what I want to leave you with today. It is so simple if we forget about the ugly, not to forget about the ugly things that are happening because I don't know if your parents have told you about Paris this week and all that. You, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Those, are, those kind of things we can't help. But what we can remember is that God is always our friend and he's always with us. And just like that song, and I bet Mr. Mark picked this song, we just sang it. Jesus is all the world to me. And listen to this. Um, it says, he is my strength from day to day. Now, you guys, that's not to say you're going to forget about that when you're very sad or something's bad happened. You have to remember that he's your strength from day to day. Without him, I would fall. What's that mean? Does that mean I'm going to trip over my feet? Well, I do all the time. But what's that mean? Without him, I would fall. Does that mean you might get really sad and you can't get happy again? We can all get happy because you guys really act Christ-like and you really do a good job of being here at church and everything. So this is what I'm going to talk about today, compassion. I think we've talked about this before, compassion. Woo, big old long word. How many letters? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten letters, compassion. But compassion means so many different things, and I want you guys to grow up and be compassionate. Anybody want to take a guess what compassion means? There's a lot of different meanings to it. Compassion. I want you to be compassionate. Happy? Happy. Um, I want you to be able to care for people. I want you to be able to be concerned for people. Nice. I want you to uh, be tender when you're dealing with people. I got really mad at my family this week, and I wasn't compassionate at all. Um, I want you to have mercy when something bad happens. And I want you to have kindness within you. That's compassionate. And if we remember those kind of things, then when the bad things come and a lot of bad things come your way, as long as you're compassionate and as long as you know that your friend Jesus is always there for you, you will be fine. Okay, now, I'm going to say a prayer, and I want you guys to listen to these words. This is how I want you guys to be, and I want you to be this way to your friends at school. I want you to be this way to your parents. 
I want you to be this way to everyone around you. Today, I will be with those who are suffering and frightened and possibly alone. Okay? Now, if you see somebody that's alone at school tomorrow, we've talked about this many times. They're sitting at that lunch table by themselves. They don't have any friends. I want you to go to that lunch table. Some will have no one to talk to today, Lord, but me. You all can do this. You can talk to those kids that don't have anybody else to talk to. May my arms be strong to give someone a hug. Is that hard for you? Could you go up and give somebody a hug? My hands comforting and warm to hold another's hand. Neva, hold my hand. Does that feel good when you hold somebody's hand? Your hand is warm. May my arms be strong to give someone a hug. My hands comforting and warm to hold another's hand. And through my eyes and my smile, give me a smile. You guys don't know how important your smiles are. And through my eyes and my smile, may someone know I care. Just when you smile, it tells people you care about them. But most of all, Lord, give my heart, give my heart the compassion and understanding that will calm another's fears. So if somebody's scared, what can you do? You can ask God to give you compassion in your heart so you can say, it's okay, I know you're sad right now, but it'll get better. That's compassion. But most of all, Lord, give my heart the compassion and understanding that will calm another fear, calm another's fear, dry a tear. Hmm, how does that make you feel when somebody's crying around you? It does. It, when somebody cries, it's really sad. You can put your arm around them and give them a hug and help them dry those tears. And give strength to face what lies ahead. Now, this is the most important part. I am only one person, Lord, but you and I know one person can and will make a difference in another's life. Did you guys know that God is trusting you all to make a difference in somebody's life? Even as young young as you guys are, you can. Did you know that? And very simple, just a smile. And if I can do that for someone today, if you do that, this is what you're going to feel like. And if I can do that for someone today, when my head lies upon my pillow tonight and my eyes close, I will be at peace. The more you do kindness for others, the better off you'll be. All right? And that says, and if I can do that for someone today, when my head lies upon my pillow tonight and my eyes close, I will be at peace. Amen. All right. You ready to go up to Children's Church?
Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks for the fruits of the earth in the season for those and labors of those who harvest them. Make us faithful stewards of, the, of thy bounty to the glory of the name Jesus Christ. May the gifts we offer this morning be, let us give hope to those who are in need. And let us keep our thoughts and prayers of the families of the Paris victims of the tragic shooting massacre as that they are with you peacefully. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
Beautiful. Thank you, Heather. And thank you, choir. Great job. What a wonderful piece and uh, well-performed. A priest and a rabbi. See, starting out with a joke. You could tell already. A priest and a rabbi from local congregations were standing by the side of a road holding up signs. The rabbi's sign read, the end is near. The other sign on the other side of the road, the, the priest held up a sign that read, turn before it's too late. They planned to hold their signs up for each passing car to read. And so the first car drives by and the driver yells, get a job. Then the second driver drives by and immediately behind the first one. And he yelled, leave us alone, you religious freaks. And then just a few seconds later, from around the curve, the two clergy heard screeching tires and a splash, followed by more screeching tires and another splash. And so the rabbi looked at the priest and said, do you think we should try a different sign? And the priest responded, perhaps our sign should read, caution, bridge out. (laughs) Now keep that little piece of humor in mind, especially about that sign, the end is near. As I deal with the somber subject of when the unthinkable happens. The voice over the radio said, Vancouver, Vancouver, this is it. It was the voice of David Johnston, who was in the monitoring station on the flank of Mount St. Helens. It was May the 18th, 1980. What Johnson had just witnessed was the largest landslide in recorded history. A magnitude 5.1 earthquake had caused a wave of earth and ice to rush down the side of the mountain at 150 miles per hour. And by the time it petered out, the landslide covered more than 24 square miles of forest. But that was just the beginning of their problem. You see, Mount St. Helens is also a volcano, and this landslide basically left this volcano without a cap to keep it sealed. And so it exploded, sending a mixture of ash and magma and rocks and sand a thousand feet up into the air, spreading a path of destruction ten miles wide as it plowed down through valleys and and over ridges at speeds of nearly 700 miles per hour. There were 57 fatalities that day, including David Johnson. And here's the thing. The kind of destruction that Mount St. Helens produced that day was unthinkable until it happened. But it did happen, as the unthinkable so often does. Let's consider another unthinkable event. On the morning of August the 28th, 2005, the National Weather Service issued this ominous report. Devastating damage expected. Hurricane Katrina had morphed from a relatively weak Category 1 into a Category 5 hurricane, and it was spiraling straight towards New Orleans. The Weather Service warned that the city would be uninhabitable for weeks, perhaps even longer. Half the houses would lose their roofs. Commercial buildings would be unusable. Apartment buildings would be destroyed. 
Residents should expect long-term power outages and water shortages that would make human suffering incredible by, by modern standards. Many of us have etched in our brains a picture of the Louisiana Superdome where 20,000 people sought refuge from Katrina. Conditions inside were insufferable due to the heat and the humidity that was in there. There were reports of crimes, people stealing and raping within the dome itself. At the nearby convention center where another 30,000 people fled, reporters heard stories from, of people who had waded through chin-deep water and of friends and families vanishing in the flood. Hurricane Katrina affected 90,000 square miles in Louisiana in Alabama and Mississippi. Well over 1,300 people were killed and bodies were still turning up in, in uh, condemned houses more than eight months later. Again, destruction like that was unthinkable until it happened. Tuesday, September the 11th, 2001, 19 members of the Islamic terrorist group Al-Qaeda hijacked four passenger jets so that they could be flown into buildings in suicide attacks. Two of those planes were crashed into the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center in New York City. Within two hours, both of those towers completely collapsed. A third plane was crashed into the Pentagon, leading to the partial collapse of their western wall. And a fourth plane crashed into a field near uh, Shanksville, Pennsylvania, after the passengers tried to overtake the hijackers. In all, 2,996 people died that day, including 343 firefighters and 72 law enforcement officers killed while, while doing their jobs. Unthinkable. But it happened. And I am sure that no one was thinking of anything more this weekend in Paris than having the, a fun evening at a soccer match or at a rock concert or strolling through the tourist areas of the city when people who were intent on destruction and death suddenly set off bombs and opened fire with their guns killing 129 innocent people and injuring 352 more. It was unthinkable that something like that could happen until it did. There are many unthinkable events recorded in history, and some of them are recorded in the Bible. One of them is mentioned in our lesson for today in the Gospel of Mark. As Jesus was leaving the temple in Jerusalem, one of the disciples said, Look, teacher, look, just look around you. What massive stones these are. What magnificent buildings we, we are in. And they were magnificent buildings. The historian Josephus tells us that much of the exterior of the temple was uh, covered with gold, which reflected the rays of the sun. He also said that from a distance, the temple appeared like a mountain of, covered with snow. Which is probably because those parts that were not covered with gold were, were made of, of white marble. 
And the temple was huge. The outer court of the temple was nearly a quarter of a mile long and 300 yards across. It was bordered by walls, and on top of the walls were were magnificent covered walkways with richly covered wooden, uh, richly carved wooden ceilings. Building this temple was a huge undertaking requiring an enormous amount of labor and money. It was said to be larger and more beautiful even than the, Solomon, uh, than the Temple of Solomon. It's quite a sight for all to see. An architectural wonder of the world. But as the disciples were standing there gawking at the, the beauty and the splendor of the buildings that they were in, this magnificent complex, Jesus brought them back to earth and said, Do you see all of these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another. Every one will be thrown down. What? What is he saying? Their precious temple would be destroyed? That was unthinkable. This temple represented the presence of God to them. The temple represented their identity as God's people. Yet Jesus told them that that one day... It would lie in ruins. And what he predicted did come true about 40 years later as Herod's temple, that this magnificent structure of awesome proportions was totally destroyed in 70 A.D. In our lesson for today, Jesus addresses the coming destruction of the temple and uses this opportunity to talk about the end of time. This is the content of Mark 13, one of those so-called apocalyptic chapters of the Bible. A chapter that has been used by, by some people to strike fear in many people's hearts. The end of time is, is still a subject of great speculation in many Christian churches. And, and many pastors are still using it to keep their fearful congregations in line. And I don't mean to offend anyone by wading into this controversial topic, but I believe that it's my responsibility to deal with some misinformation that has been spread about what is often referred to as the end times. Jesus says three things about the end times that could be very helpful to all of us in these unthinkable days. The first thing that he says concerns... False teachers. Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. Now, I don't think we can proper, proper, properly deal with uh, a writing like Mark 13 without dealing with the subject of false teachers. Because, my friends, there is a popular misconception that has been spread in recent times about the end of life on earth known as the rapture. As theologian Marcus Borg points out, most Christians throughout history never even heard of the rapture. And with good reason. You see, the very word rapture and the notion that it embodies are a modern innovation going back less than 200 years. 
Nobody had even thought about the rapture until the 1800s. To quote Marcus Borg, because millions of Christians think that the rapture is biblical teaching and thus has the authority of the Bible behind it, it is important to know that it is neither biblical nor ancient. It was first proclaimed by a British evangelist named John Nelson Darby in the first half of the the 19th century. Darby concocted this vision of the rapture by his interpretation of just a handful of passages in the Bible taken out of context that speak about the, the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ and the end of the world. And according to Darby's scenario that he came up with, the rapture begins a series of events that will unfold seven years before the second coming of Jesus and the final judgment. More specifically, it refers to an event when true Christians will be raptured or taken up to heaven before Jesus is coming. And those who are raptured, he says, will be spared the tribulation the horrible suffering, the wars, the devastation that face those who are left behind. As you have probably already guessed, the rapture is the premise of a series of novels appropriately titled the Left Behind series by Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins. These novels have sold more than 60 million copies and several movies have spun off of them. And obviously these books have made their authors very wealthy. Before the Left Behind series, there was the the Late Great Planet Earth, a best-selling book by Hal Lindsey describing the same kind of scenario. Now folks, these books and movies have have had a, a disturbing influence on many Christians today. For one thing, they have convinced as many as 40% of Christians in America that the second coming of Christ will happen soon. And they have stirred up so very much fear among many impressionable readers. Those who espouse these kinds of concerns seem to confuse fear with faith. And arousing this kind of fear in in people seems to be both easy and profitable. But folks, let me tell you something. This is quite different from the faith that Jesus instills within his followers. In fact, the constant admonition of Jesus is this. Do not be afraid. Fear not. He says it over and over and over and over again. Do not be afraid. But that's just the first thing that Jesus warns about in our Scripture for today. He warns about being led astray by false teachers. The second thing that Jesus warned against was misinterpreting Contemporary events such as wars and natural disasters as indicators that the end is near. He says, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Have you ever heard of a generation when there were no wars? 
Have you heard of any generation in history where there were no rumors of wars? They are always here. There have always been natural and made man disasters, and there always will be. Fortunately, especially in our country, we are better protected against such disasters than any generation that has ever lived. And when when you think about it, we've never really experienced a disaster in the scope of those experienced by other nations and in other generations. For example, on July the 5th, 1201, the year 1201, in Egypt and Syria, the deadliest earthquake in recorded history struck. This disaster rocked the eastern part of the Mediterranean and killed, listen to this folks, over 1.1 million people. In a matter of seconds. Nearly every city in that region felt the effects of this earthquake. Then there was the bubonic plague that killed almost a third of the population of of Europe when it struck between 1347 and 1350. It also affected millions of people in, in Asia and North Africa. There have been flu epidemics through the centuries that have killed millions of people. And get this. Each time, each time there was a great tragedy in the world, there have been those who have thrown up their hands and said, this is it. This is the end of the world. But guess what? Every time they were wrong. And so Jesus warned his disciples against misinterpreting events like wars and natural disasters as indicators that the the end is at hand. So don't panic, my friends. This world may be around for a long, long time. But here's the most important thing you need to know. Are you listening to this? Listen well. Jesus made it very clear That nobody knows when the end of time will be. Jesus said that even he didn't know. In verse 32, he says, about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So you see, the end of the world may come tomorrow. Or it might be 10,000 years from now or even a million years or a hundred million years. Nobody knows. Foolish people keep setting dates. And I've seen it many times over my lifetime where people have said the end of the world is going to be on a particular date. And that date always comes and goes. So far they've all been wrong. And so if you run into someone who's determined to announce how, the, how soon the end of, of time will come, ask that person if he thinks he's smarter than Jesus. Because Jesus said that even he didn't know. And you know what? Listen to this, folks. A lot of people worry and worry and worry about these kinds of things. But hear this. We don't need to worry our little heads about it. Be ready when the time comes, but don't go looking for it. You don't need to worry about it. 
There's a classic Peanuts cartoon that I want to show you on the screen today. Pop it up there, folks. There it is. Great. Here we have Linus and Lucy. They're standing at the window uh, watching it pouring down rain. And Lucy says to Linus, look at it rain. What if it floods the whole world? And Linus says, it won't. God promised Noah in Genesis chapter 9 that he would never flood the world again. The sign of the promise is the rainbow. And Lucy smiles at him and says, Linus, you've taken a load off my mind. To which Linus responds, sound theology has a way of doing that. (laughs) My friends, Jesus makes it very clear, regardless of what certain popular books and movies might infer, It might be thousands or even million years before the end of the world comes. Nobody knows. Neither scientists or theologians nor quack preachers on the radio or TV. So here's what I want you to remember. You might be thinking, well, where are you going with this? I'm there. (laughs) Here's what I want you to remember. Life is unpredictable. Life is unpredictable. Terrible things will always happen in this world. Unthinkable things until they happen. And I'm not saying this to make you afraid. In fact, just the opposite of that is true. Because I want you to know that regardless of of what comes your way, what regardless of what happens in this world, what regardless of what war there is or terrorist act or what natural disaster affects us or what personal tragedy we may encounter, regardless of what comes, God will never leave you nor forsake you. Even if the entire world should pass away, God's going to be there with you. It is said that during the making of the classic movie Ben-Hur, actor Charlton Heston had to learn to drive a chariot. It's part of the the race scene there. And it's probably the most exciting scene ever filmed up until that time. And so he had to learn how to drive this chariot. Never done anything like this before. And after after weeks of chariot lessons, Charleston Heston came to the director and said, I think I can drive the chariot all right, but I'm not at all sure that I can win the race. And the director responded, you just stay in the race and I'll make sure you win. My friends, That's what Jesus' message is to us in every time of of trouble. You just stay in the race, and I'll make sure you you win. Don't let those false teachers fill your mind with needless anxiety. Nobody knows what the future may hold. Not a single person. But here's the thing. We do know who holds the future. God holds the future. And we are God's children. So don't be afraid. God is with us. Now, just to conclude my sermon, um, 
want to show you with one other little word of wisdom. I want to show you one last cartoon. The end is near. Many will tell you that the end is near. Don't believe everything you read. Just trust in God. In all things. In all times. Because God is always with you. Amen. We have come to that portion of our service where we will... um, Share the Lord's Supper together. And we invite you to come forward. Uh, Deacons who are going to be serving, come on forward and we will uh, uh, prepare the table. We have the bread here. We have uh, the cup. And there are a couple of ways that you can do this. Beginning at the the back, at the rear of the the sanctuary, uh, you can come down the middle aisle. There will be... One of us on each side holding a loaf of bread. There will be one next to them holding a cup. And we invite you to come and take a piece of bread and then move to the cup and dip it into the cup and then eat the bread. Thus taking the bread and the juice. The body and blood of Christ. All who are welcome to do that. There may be some who are not comfortable coming forward or not comfortable with this method of the Lord's Supper. And if that's the case, you can remain in your seat and we'll have a deacon coming down the aisle and they would be glad to serve you in the traditional way with a little piece of bread and a, and a separate cup of juice. But it is good to share this time of worship and remembrance of the promise that Christ made to us. That he's always with us. Always. Let us pray together. Oh God, we are about to observe Holy Communion. Which enables us to commune with you and with one another. One thing that communion also allows us to do is to commune with sisters and brothers all over the world. Some who celebrate a beautiful day like we have here in Henderson today. Others who grieve deep loss as the unthinkable has happened. We pray for our brothers and sisters in France. We pray for comfort to sweep their sadness and anger away. And we pray for the day, O God, when your peace will take the entire world. Until that day, we strive for peace in our own little worlds. Because we want to be followers of you, not just admirers. And you have made your message very clear. You have made it very simple. Love God with all of your heart and love one another. You give us the simple gifts of Sabbath rest and music. The embrace of a beloved friend. Comforting words. 
But sometimes, God, we want to make you into something mysterious, far away from from us. And we forget to look for the mystery of you in the ordinary things of life. And so when we hold out our hands today, give us an ordinary piece of bread. And through it, remind us of the extraordinary gift of your broken body. And when we hold the cup today, give us some plain, old, ordinary grape juice. And through it, remind us of the extraordinary gift of your blood that has been poured out for us. And through them both, O God, through all of our lives, may your simple words be the most profound words that we hear. God is love. God is love. God is love. Amen. Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood that is shed for you. He said, I'm doing a new thing for you today. Think of grace and mercy. I'm giving my life for you. And this is what we should be mindful of as we take the bread and as we take the cup today. We should be mindful of the broken body of Christ. We should be mindful of the blood that was shed for us. God said that He shows His love for us so much in this way. That Christ died for us. Even though we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What wonderful mercy that is. We invite you to come. All are welcome. Everyone is welcome. Christ turns no, way, no one away at their table, at his table. So come and share in the bread of the Lord and the cup of the Lord.
God is so good. And God is always with us. Through the good times, He celebrates with us. Through the hard times, as Mary was talking earlier, He is compassionate. He suffers with us. And that gives us strength. And we are so grateful today to be able to commune with one another and to acknowledge what God has done and and continues to do in our life each day. God gives us strength. Let us sing together our closing hymn, Burn in Me, Fire of God. God, we have come to this table not because we have earned a right to be here. And we have come not because we have been good enough or faithful enough to deserve our place. But we have come because by your grace you have welcomed us here. And as we have taken the bread and the cup, we have been reminded of the depth and the breadth of your love and mercy. And now, as we go from this place, finding the wisdom to live a vision of your kingdom in our lives, we pray. Help us to see that kingdom whose doors are open to everyone, to all who would enter. And allow us to open those doors. For we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.